This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 31, recorded November 17th, 2010. Jesus Christ, King. Welcome to this week in Prayer Room Companion. I am your co-host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we are here this week in the midst of November, and the cold is, well, it's been coming and going, but I think it's getting closer for real now, Father. Yes, yes. The cold, although the uh, the days are getting shorter and the cold is getting longer. Yes. Uh, that daylight savings time thing. Um, even, even though I like getting the uh, extra hour uh, in the fall, but but my wife in particular, when it it's dark by six or even sooner now, it's it's not always nice to have the darkness <laughs> fall upon us, but. Anyway, the other thing, Father, I was thinking of, what would, what would our listeners do if we didn't start the podcast with some discussion of the weather? I, I, I think they'd be concerned for our well-being. They'd be very concerned for our well-being. Absolutely. Very, very concerned. You know, the, uh, just think about daylight savings time. I love the next hour of sleep that night, but the problem is I don't get it then for the next week because I stay up later as far as like what I'm feeling like. Yep. Right, because, they, you know, you got to stay, you're up at 10 o'clock and it feels like 11 o'clock. Yep. But then you're supposed to wake up at your normal time, but you wake up an hour early. Yep. I mean, come on. Yeah. We just, I was thinking about this, we, we should just do away with it, but there's a strong Am- Amish lobby in the U.S. Congress, apparently, uh, that, that keeps it. And they're vicious. Yeah, they're tough. You know, politics... Although we here at Prairie Roman Companion do not uh, advocate uh, violence or, or maltreatment of the Amish in any way. No, no. I mean, the Amish are nonviolent themselves, you know, so that would just be fitting. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, mid-November, Father, and uh, we're coming up quickly upon the new year. And not the new calendar year, but the new liturgical oh. year. Yay. Yay. Um, My favorite uh, feast musically in uh, the life of the church. Really? Yeah. They're just... Great hymns for Christ the King. What hymn are you thinking of? Jesus Christ, our sovereign King, oh, who yes. is worth salvation. Things like that. Gotcha. Yeah, we're coming to Christ the King, the last Sunday in ordinary time, the last Sunday of the liturgical year. Uh, we're t- recording on the 17th, Wednesday the 17th. Christ the King is this Sunday the 21st, and the following... Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> and the following Sunday, of course, November 28th, uh, most importantly, of course, Advent, Advent, Advent. I was thinking more Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, and shopping. But all right, if you want to go that way, I guess we can. Shopping. Um, one thing, by the Good way, to just, be celibate. What? What? <laughs> you still have family to shop for. Don't give me that. I do. I do. Um, one thing I do want to, if in case our listeners aren't aware of it, um. Saturday the twenty seventh, uh, the the, nice. the vigil for um, the first Sunday of Advent. Pope Benedict, the Holy Father, has has called for um, a worldwide prayer vigil for nascent life, unborn life. So a a pro life prayer vigil uh, that that he is asking that Catholics around the world hold that. Uh, uh, Vigil for the first Sunday of Advent. So, as uh, as we prepare, as we begin liturgically that Saturday evening, as we begin the season of Advent, the Holy Fathers ask that we that we pray in a particular way for for unborn human life. 
Um, so, so I, and Father, what I love about that, frankly, is that particularly with Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday and all that, if Catholics could, uh, this uh, to me in, in our country in particular is a great moment for us to, to practice our cul- counterculturality um, by uh, maybe taking a break from the, the hustle and bustle of that weekend and uh, going to our churches to uh, spend some time in prayer for the unborn that evening in obedience to the Holy Father's wishes. Right. My only regret is as the pastor of uh, a Newman Center where college students disappear on Wednesday or even Tuesday before Thanksgiving and don't return until Sunday night. Right. Yeah, that's true. Just tell them to stay. Tell them, you know, guys, I'll throw Thanksgiving dinner at the Newman Center. We do that on Monday night, actually. Oh, okay. All right. So anyway... So anyway, so that's coming up. But yeah, so Christ the King this Sunday, apart from being Father's favorite, uh, well, having some of his favorite songs, um, we were talking. Father and I were talking before we uh, start uh, before we went on the air, just about um, the significance of this feast and really thinking about what it means. And and I was telling Father just how, for me, I think for quite some time I. I really haven't given it until recently, until last year, I think. I really didn't give this meach, this feast, rather, this solemnity, much thought in terms of my own spiritual life, my own prayer life, um, my own growth in discipleship to Jesus Christ. Um, you know, Jesus is the king, okay, the Messiah, is, he's the Messiah king, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and it just struck me relatively recently that um, Jesus is king, he is Lord, do I make him Lord of my life? He, is he the king of every aspect of my life? Do I place myself in complete obedience uh, and submission to his will? Uh, and I can say pretty confidently that I don't, Father. Right, and that's, it's, uh, in some senses, it's a basic thing that we all know and we pray every week, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But at the same time, it's still something that's seems foreign and odd to us, especially as we uh, live in the midst of our country of self-determination. Freedom. Freedom and liberty. Freedom! Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the the emphasis, in many ways, I think our culture is defined by uh, freedom from external coercion, freedom from submission, freedom from having to obey uh, another beyond the barest necessary means and yet this feast highlights the fact that when it comes in in fact we ought to and need to uh submit and obey and recognize the kingship of jesus christ exactly and it's the 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 beautiful spiritual dimensions that we can unfold here beautiful spiritualities and also kind of those practical realities of just our daily choices. It even just be a great examination of conscience. Right. So how, because one of the things that has struck me um, also lately when I'm, trying, when I'm trying to integrate this more into my spiritual life is, is the ways where I don't do that, where really I, I obey, I follow another king. Um, maybe in this, spiritually speaking in terms of, of maybe a vice that I, that I, uh, particularly have or follow or practice, so to speak, or, or the ways that I create false idols and uh, sin against, against the commandments by, by committing idolatry, by not recognizing Christ's lordship, by not recognizing Christ as 
by God as God, but creating false gods, false idols, uh, in, in these subtle little ways that it's so easy for us to do. Exactly. So I th- but and then so Father and I were talking uh, that flows really interestingly into something that that Cardinal Francis George of Chicago said uh, just well yesterday, as of when we're taping, uh, or. Yesterday or the day before? I believe this is on Monday, uh, November 15th. 15th. Right. Uh, the, the bishops of the United States are gathered together in their semi-annual, twice-annual meeting um, in the U.S. The US Bishops' Conference. Uh, and they're meeting, as they do every November, um, in Baltimore. And Cardinal George has been for the last... He was elected three years ago to be president of the Bishops' Conference and, and to a three-year term. So his term is ending this week. And as is the norm, the outgoing president gives sort of a farewell address of sorts. And Father, I know there's a, there's a passage in his farewell address on Monday that struck you particularly. Right. And his farewell address is kind of just a reflection on some of the things that he's helped uh, with organizing the bishops in regard to his, uh, his tenure or his three year, as the case might be. Uh, <laughs> as uh, president of the uh, U.S. bishops. He's talking about uh, the debate that went on in the country regarding um, the passing of the uh, uh, Health Care Act. I'm not sure the exact full name of it, and I apologize for not having that handy. But uh, he said, you know, the question is, how should faithful Catholics approach political issues that are also moral? Right, because there are some political issues that maybe don't have the same moral impact, you know, funding for roads or something like that, but there are... Uh, political issues that do have moral impact. He said, the debate made clear, to me at least, that at a certain point, there were those who started with the faith in its integrity and all its demands and fit their political choices into the context of the fullness of the church's teaching. And there were those for whom a political choice, even a good choice, was basic and the church was judged useful by whether or not she provided foot soldiers for their political commitment, whether the left or the right. For too many, politics is the ultimate horizon of their thinking and acting. So he's reflecting upon the debate that went on in the healthcare uh, debate. He said that there are, you know, there's some who start out with the faith and then they try to measure their political decisions according to the faith right. and trim or expand uh, their political choices in that context of the church's teaching. Then there are some who start out with a political choice, even a good choice, right? and that's their basic horizon from which they look at the world. And they simply look to the church then as to whether or not she or the scriptures or magisterium can provide some sort of foot soldier for their political commitment, you know, hmm. some sort of encouragement that way. Justification, even, maybe. Exactly, exactly. So in that sense, uh, and very interesting quote, uh, Dr. Burgos, we were talking earlier, about how that fits into this uh, feast on Sunday of Christ the King. Right. That, that right, yeah, exactly. So, who, who you know, Jesus in another context, really, uh, but, but it applies here, spoke in the Gospels, um, about God and Caesar, uh, and 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 I think that fits in well here. Caesar, in this context, in the sense of of political leadership, 
what what is what defines our horizon to use to use Cardinal George's phrase from the end for too many politics is the ultimate horizon of their thinking and acting. So what defines a horizon? Caesar, that is political life, or God uh, and His Son, our Lord and King Jesus Christ, that is our faith. Uh, and it certainly seems that well, well, Cardinal George is saying at least, and I think we both agree with him that that it's it, it there's a danger, there's a temptation for us to to define in a sense our reality uh, or at least our acting in reality by the political sphere when that political sphere ought to be subordinated to subordinated to the sphere of faith to to Jesus Christ exactly and that's and that's a challenge of the whole of the christian life and that was a challenge of in many ways the whole of the gospel is how do we uh how do we order properly order our life uh, to God first, and then all other things? You think about how our Lord would surmise, you know, all the commandments, right? To love the Lord to God with all your heart, to your with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second of these is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? That all the law and the prophets are surmised in these in this one quote. And so I think the concern of Cardinal George observing our country in a particular way, especially with that responsibility of uh, being uh, maybe a spokesperson and necessarily a leader of other bishops, he didn't, certainly didn't command the bishops of the diocese of the various dioceses of the United States as president of the bishops' counts conference, more just as a uh, spokesperson and a visible touch point. Right. But he. Uh, um, he has that concern that people are ordering their faith towards their ideas that they have beforehand, their political ideas or their other uh, sources of knowledge. You know, it's interesting. I just, it may have been today, sometime in the last couple of days, I came across something very similar by, uh, I think he was an evangelical uh, figure. I can't remember who it was now, a public figure, but he was talking about seeing something very similar going on with evangelicals, uh, sort of the 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 Christian coalition, the, the the Christian right, so to speak, that's getting involved, has been involved in politics. That sometimes it's very easy for Christians uh, in general, that certainly not just Catholics, um, to to allow the the political to be to, to become the paradigm. Um, to allow the the political presuppositions premises to define our reality as opposed to the premises that are provided by our faith by 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 Christ and his teachings and so it, it, it was interesting to me as I just recalling this now actually um, that that both uh, Cardinal George and again I can't remember who this is now but just last couple of days um, and a, a Protestant observer made the made the same point that that there's a danger that we're defining ourselves in our political action by our politics as a, instead of by our faith as we as Christians as Catholics ought to do right which is always a great danger you know it's it's just hearing you speak that way it's always a time where I'm very grateful for the gift of uh, hierarchy of the church in a sense as it serves as a touchstone for us as to as to how to follow after Jesus in this way um, I remember I was, uh, just as long as we're in kind of student conscious, I had uh, a wedding and uh, the groom was Lutheran and of a more traditional bent. It wasn't, uh, it, was, uh, it was maybe apostolic Lutheran, Wisconsin, evangelical Lutheran descended. And the father of the uh, groom came up to me at the reception afterwards. He said, 
Uh, I just want to say thank you. And I said, said, I want to just say, I really admire you Catholics for the Pope. It's so good to have someone who keeps you unified, who keeps you focused on uh, on where the Lord is. Hmm. But it's uh, it just shows that even as we try to follow the Lord, we always have to be examined. And we can't just examine ourselves. Sometimes we need that outward examination, you know, that assistance of whether it's the spirit structure, whether it's, uh, the, te- the church's teachings right. on things to be that outward judge of our thoughts and our actions to see yes that they really are in accord with Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah, I, I, that, that you know, that's how I mean that's how pragmatically, practically speaking, uh, how the good news, the gospel, is spread. It's we we always receive it from another, whether it's from our parents or a neighbor, a teacher, our our priest. Um, it, it's always at the concretely, practically at the individual level, it's received from another. And that's also at the very beginning. I mean, Jesus commissioned the apostles to proclaim his teachings to throughout the world. And, and they did that and they passed on, the, they're passed on their own authority to their successors, men that we call bishops. And that's been going on for nearly 2000 years now. And, uh, it is beautiful because it ensures that we always are kept, um, on the straight and narrow, at least in terms of what it is that Jesus's teachings are, and and how we you know, always always calling us to to apply them properly in every aspect of our life, including coming back to this quote from Cardinal George, including the political sphere that we structure um, our beliefs and our actions in politics um, on the on the deeper foundation of of the teachings of Jesus Christ as as he gives them to us through his church, his body. It's interesting because. Uh... As we aim towards this and this beautiful uh, upcoming Feast of Christ the King, as we aim towards this reality of, uh, you know, that desire that our Lord would be the King of our life, the King of our heart, the King of our thoughts, the King of our actions, the King of our imagination, that our Lord would rule over everything. Um, There's also that fear that in some way in doing that, in some way I'm going to be different, I'm going to be isolated, I'm going to be outcast, I'm going to be set apart um, from the rest of humanity, from the rest of my peers, from the rest of the world, will I be lonely in this regard? Mm. Uh, it's interesting because that's the way that the evil one will certainly want to work on such an idea of this radical uh, enthronement of Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. In other words, well, we can go, I mean, it's important to go to church and you can pray, but you don't want to get really crazy and and give everything over to him because what will your friends and family think? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the natural reaction. I think that's the supernatural temptation as well uh, from the evil one. Uh, in fact, uh, the, you know, there's the uh, back in old school days of Christian rock, way back in the 1990s. <laughs> you know, there was a group called DC Talk. Uh, who, uh, I have no idea what that stands for, by the way. But uh, DC Talk, and they had a a song called Jesus Freak. Absolutely. Jesus Freak, right? Where it says, uh, uh, (laughs) I feel so old. And so I I feel so hip uh, reciting it in quoted form. Uh, What would people do if they find out I'm a Jesus Freak? What will people think when they find out it's true? Right. But that fear is real. Right. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, I bring this up also because Cardinal George even addresses that in this same uh, topic when he brings up this whole idea about 
you know, starting out with faith in its fullness and the integrity and the integrity of the faith, and then from there going to uh, fitting our political choices to that integrity. Right. He goes down towards the bottom. He says, "We should not fear political isolation." Mm. The church has often been isolated in politics and in diplomacy. We need to be deeply concerned, however, about the wound to the church's unity that has been inflect, inflicted in this debate. And so I, I think it's a very wise uh, uh, and very pastoral comment of his, of the Cardinals, that um, for those of you who might say, well, you know, yeah, Cardinal George, that's a great idea, but, you know, you're an archbishop. You know, you're in there in uh, Chancery, and you're in there in the church in the Holy Name Cathedral in Chicago, you're not actually out uh, on the streets. You're not actually in the aisles trying to, to walk this walk. Right. You know, I think of, uh, I believe his name was, uh, uh, if I pronounce it correctly, but Joseph Cow. Oh, right, the representative from Louisiana, yeah. Right, a uh, uh, Vietnamese-American, a Catholic representative from uh, Louisiana. Was he, was he voted down in this election? He lost, yes, he did. He lost. Yep. yep, and uh, he he stood against um, the health care bill, uh, but lost in a very difficult election. But you know, for him, just kind of hearing him go to him because he had came from a very poor constituency, and he very much wanted to help them in various ways. But he was caught that he said, you know, I just can't, I can't cut my faith for some of these allowances I see are wrong for the sake of this other good thing. And so right. now, and 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 he's lost now. And, and to me, was yeah, because he refused to put a good as as that that the first quote that we referred to. I mean, the desire to ensure that health care is available for all Americans. That certainly that was something he supported. Um, however, because of and this was the bishop's concern uh, that that this bill would would um, allow for the federal funding of abortion in the process of. of- providing health care uh the the that representative cow former representative cow soon to be uh said you know i i can't even though i would love to see this 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 health care uh come to a reality it can't happen at the price of federal funding of abortion it, it might and and that was really something that for him it came to him as a matter of his catholic faith and in the end he 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 would not as you said compromise on that point um, so I, yeah, I, I think that that's he, among some others, I think are, are a compelling witness that um, as, as as politicians, uh, Catholics, as we are in every other sphere, are called, as Cardinal George is saying here in this this the first quote that we've been talking about, are called to put our faith above all other considerations. Our faith has to be that defining horizon, the ultimate horizon, um, rather than the political considerations, which might. In a particular instance, they might be good, but if they're not the defining thing, then in the end, that is bad, uh, wrong for us as Catholics. Right. And now we don't want to seem like we're like harping anyone uh, and calling anyone out on the block, at least on the bad side. And if anyone's upset at anything we said, and if you're still listening, hold on for a second. Right. Uh, because we're going to uh, we want to keep. We're going to use this just more as an illustration of ways that we can enter more deeply and more personally into uh, the life of faith in Jesus Christ uh, in our own life. How we can make this Feast of Christ the King 
something that's not just uh, one hour on this Sunday, but something that can be maybe a spirituality, a point of examination uh, for the whole of your life. Right. And and one thing that comes to my mind, Father, is just one thing that, that, that we are encouraged to do um, as, as Catholics, uh, as Christians, is uh, to examine our conscience on a daily basis. And typically that would be done, of course, at the end of the day, uh, perhaps right before we go to bed. And I think one thing that, that, that I need to do more, but, but that I try to do, um, I just don't do often enough right now, um, one thing that we can do as part of our examination of conscience is we think, reflect on the day, maybe the ways that we've, uh, the, the sins we've committed, the ways we, we've failed to, uh, to follow Christ in, in, in that particular day, is to think concretely and specifically about the ways in which you know, the decisions we made, how we failed to ensure that that are that we're following his will that that how have i how did i today not go about uh the day the activities of my day the affairs of my day um in a way where i was not submitting everything to his will how did i fail to do that right you know uh um or what were the, and what were the invitations to follow his will that i didn't take um, if you think back to the uh, the confidior, the penitential uh, rites that we pray on a Sunday Mass, you know, I confess to Almighty God, to you, my brothers and sisters, uh, that I have sinned. I think I'm moving to the translation. Through my own faults. <laughs> and what I have done. And, and what I have done and what I have failed, failed to do is what I meant to do. Yep. There we go. What I have done what I have failed to do. Um, and uh, so it's not just in the action, but, but that omission. Right. You know, um, when the call of the king has come, feed the poor, reach out to this soul, pray for this person, uh, pray, uh, pray, come and pray now with me, and we refuse, and that we need to be repentant of even those things too. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, just a, a real quick thing along the whole sins of omission, the way that we fail to do that. I remember early on after my reversion um, in college, I called a good friend of mine. Um, uh, and and I said, you know, I, you know, I, I've been going to confession again, and I don't know what to confess because I, I just haven't done anything bad. <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> he said, well, that'll come in time, and you know, and and what I came to realize is how often I was failing to do what I should be doing, committing sins of omission, perhaps uh, as much or even more than I was committing sins of commission. So I think when we, you know, when we really try to open our eyes to the ways that we failed to take those invitations, as you say. Um, that's when we really realize how much we're not submitting um, every aspect of our lives to Christ's lordship. Very much so. And I think those become, a, in some ways, the greater points of growth for the real growth in the Christian life. For those that are serious um, about the growth in the Christian life, that is where it's going to come. That's where it's going to come most uh, assuredly, most solidly, most uh, uh, impactfully. Right. And I think on the other end too, I mean, important. It's important that we begin each day with uh, uh, um, an intentional, uh, explicit prayer to submit our will um, this day, that every day, um, to Christ's will. To pray for the grace, the wisdom, the discernment to recognize those invitations when they come and then to take them. So in other words, and maybe I should have started start this way, not just reflecting how we failed to do it sort of retroactively or at the end of the day, but, but just as importantly to begin each day with, uh, with a, a prayer to recognize and then 
accept those invitations whenever they might come to us those that that day. Right. So, uh, and uh, I think too, just you know, to think about you, you can also take the opportunity of maybe a systematic examination in a sense. Maybe a little free time before Thanksgiving. Um, maybe just sometimes in kind of the. It seems like the Saturday after Thanksgiving, even with all the good football games on, can be a little uh, a little down, or at least a little. Um, you don't know what to do as much, maybe. Right. And uh, so you sit there and you just you know, just kind of say, go to go to church. Just you know, kind of bring a book, bring a notebook, and go through your life and say, okay, what are the most important things in my life? You know, and am I am I concretely giving them over to Jesus Christ as the King of my life, as the King as the King of the universe, the one who will reign uh, over all? And uh, and if not, well, just start doing it. Simply, you know, badly, just at the start of the day, just to simply start doing that again. Right. And uh, I think that can be a real concrete way to enter into our Lord's kingship. And the thing to keep in mind, I mean, this is obviously a good and. A prayer like that is a good and holy one that will be answered, and maybe not immediately in terms of, you know, it would be rare if somebody prayed that and automatically uh, they were given the fullness, that prayer was entered to fullness where they immediately, everything they did, started they started submitting themselves. <laughs> uh, of course, that's possible, but I think the more ordinary way that God acts is as we continue to pray that prayer and he grants it. Uh, a, a little bit at a time, slowly, and, and we persevere, and, and we grow, and more and more, um, we submit ourselves um, to his kingship, to his lordship um, in our life. And so persevering is the point I'm making, the importance of persevering in that prayer uh, with the, the, the knowledge, the confidence, the trust, the faith that it will be answered by our Lord and our King. And understanding that it's going to be organic growth. Meaning? Meaning you plant seed in the ground and you don't receive a corn plant the next day. Exactly. There we go. So, and I think that's a good, great, way, great way, Father, too, actually, as we, as we move you know, toward, from Christ the King, and then we, we're going to be moving towards Advent, as, as we mentioned briefly at the beginning. Just as, as we begin to prepare our minds and our hearts um, for the the great feast of Christmas throughout the season of Advent to to reflect on that the ways that we can grow uh, in in discipleship in submitting our, submitting our mind our will everything we do to Jesus Christ who is our Lord and King. So anyway, well uh, we'll leave it at that, Father. Uh, well, I guess we'll be talking before Thanksgiving, so I want you happy Thanksgiving. So happy feast day, I guess, Father. Happy, uh, happy end of the uh, happy end of the year. Absolutely. So, Father and I will be back next week, and until then, God bless. God bless.